I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, everybody, welcome back to Bucketheads. I'm here with Justin Goble for episode 84 of our College Hoops podcast here as part of the Lane Grant Podcast Network. My name is Connor Lamans. And although we don't have head coach Chris Holtman with us this week, we're hoping that you're still going to love our episode as we are going to talk about everybody's favorite thing, conference expansion and the new 2018 Big Ten or whatever the hell it is now. And then, of course, we're going to get into a little recruiting update here as we get into the fall, Justin. Yeah, I was hoping we could pretty much just avoid conference realignment because I'm just sick of it. But uh, we should probably talk about it and talk about the implications for basketball because as Coach Holtman mentioned when we asked him about it, they don't think about basketball or any other sport except football when they're making these decisions. So, Right. It's all football pushes the money, football pushes the conference realignment, who's going to be where, and uh, the other sports just the other sports just have to catch up and, and, and figure it out. I think even though Coach Holtman wasn't um, – he wasn't direct about, like, do I like it, do I not like it? I think his answers kind of explain that he doesn't seem too thrilled about uh, – about the changes because we did ask him like hey what excites you about this and you know what what makes you nervous what concerns do you have and i don't think he really gave us anything that he was excited about he just gave us things that were concerning for him and that was his answer does this mean we get bill walton how does that work i is he just gonna retire i think they're just gonna send him they're probably not gonna tell him that the conference has changed they're just gonna keep sending him to where they've been sending him and see if he notices that like Rutgers is playing now instead of California. 
Well, like he's an ESPN employee, right? So he'll still definitely be calling Pac-12 this year. But then next year, yeah, I think Bill Walton would rather retire than call, like to then then continue to work for ESPN, but never get to call Pac-12 games. I think he'd rather just retire. Honestly, oh, sure. so I I, yeah. I don't think that Bill Walton's ever going to be like a Fox Sports or a uh, like a Big Ten Network employee. I think he'll either, I think he'll yeah he'll probably just stop after It'd this be year. A, be a hell of an addition to Big Noon Kickoff. Joe Clack, Gus Johnson, and Bill Walton. Oh my goodness! I mean, I would. That's a squad. <laughs> you can't tell me you want to tune in. I mean, that's. I would. I would absolutely adore if we had like. Bill Walton calling a game for Big Ten Network. You have like Ohio State, Minnesota, an 8 p.m. tip off on a Wednesday, and we just have Big Wave Billy calling the game at the Schottenstein Center. Um, that would be freaking awesome. But there's like a negative 10% chance that he will leave the West Coast to call basketball games. If the Pac 12 leaves him, I think he will just be done. But you can't put him in the anyway. time slot. There's too many people listening. <laughs> The the change with the with the Big Ten, I think we we kind of how Holtman said, you know, the the, the biggest concern is definitely the scheduling, um, the the examples that everybody's given, including myself, to just kind of be a sarcastic jerk. You probably have done it too when people have asked you, is you know, is the Big Ten going to send, is the Big Ten going to send Ohio State to play Oregon in basketball on a Wednesday night at nine p.m. when they have class the next morning? Like, no, I don't think that's how it's going to go. They are going to probably do something more like um, maybe they play Oregon at like 9 p.m. on a Thursday and then they play USC at like noon on a Sunday and then they fly back after. But then in in the meantime, you would have like the team would probably they would be staying on the West Coast like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which for me. I know this is like my boomer take where it gets kind of gray for me is you're taking these student athletes, they're students and you're saying like, yeah, like I know you have class, but we're going to have you hang out in the West coast for like three school days or whatever, because then you're going to play Washington or USC in a couple of days. That's probably what they'll do. Yeah. I mean, and correct me if, I, if you think this is a bad example, but like, it's kind of at this point, like baseball, you know, teams going West coast swings and stuff. And that's basically what they're going to have to do is, they're gonna go if they're gonna play West Coast teams. They gotta. It's just gonna require a lot of competent scheduling, and I don't think for basketball, I don't think it affects it too much. Um, like in general, like not a whole lot's changing. You still have like Nebraska traveling to Maryland. You know that's still a very as someone who's literally made that trip. That is still that's still a very far trip. Um, so like the regionality of it and the geographic alignment that made sense is already pretty much gone you're just adding more to it now because now they're going to the west coast likely i don't know how many teams they're going to play per year i don't know if they're just going to take out you know you're never going to play two teams in the same season which would really kind of suck and you're going to play everybody i don't know how they're going to do it they haven't really said how they're going to do it so maybe there's a year you don't go to the west coast at all right maybe there's a year you go six times maybe yeah, i don't know how they're going to try to do that so that's just going to require a lot of like I said, competent scheduling on the part of the Big Ten. And it goes past basketball. It goes basketball is just what we talk about. So that's the example that we give. But the same things are going to have to happen most likely for, you know, I mean, literally every other sport, like 
baseball basketball is just the simplest if we're being honest because it's it's still a big times like then basketball almost every school is still the second biggest sport and it's small rosters when you're talking about like the baseball team we're talking about 30 guys you know the softball teams have 30 people you know it's a whole different monster it's a whole different beast so it yeah it's um it didn't sound to me like holtman was too excited about it We'll see as the season goes on. I'm sure it'll come up here and there, and we'll maybe get a little more about what he thinks. And, um, you know, since I'll be at most of the home games, maybe I can even – maybe he'll even throw me a bone here um, at some point, and I can get a little better answer about how he really feels. Um, but I think, I, I think we'll definitely get asked at media day. I think that will be a yeah, prime time. Everybody will get asked about it. Yeah, so it'll be it, – it's logistically going to be difficult. But what I what I think is what hasn't been talked about much that intrigues me, and maybe I'll maybe I'll try to look into it and write about it at some point before the season starts, is you know the Big Ten hasn't won a national championship in over twenty years now, um, and there's two sides of the coin if you're saying you know do adding these you know four competent basketball programs. I think that Washington is the worst of those four that they've added between USC, ULA, USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington. And Washington has had some pretty good years in the past decade. Um, By adding those programs, are you making it more likely to win a national title because you have more good teams in the conference? Or are you making it harder because you're like watering down the conference, if that makes sense? And therefore, there's there's less of a chance that like you're going to get two Big Ten teams that get a one seed, for example. Maybe you have like ten teams in the tournament, but you don't have any one seeds or two seeds. You have all three through nines, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think math would just tell you that like you have a better chance because you're just adding teams. You know, I mean, what was the COVID year? UCLA went to the Final Four, right? Lost to Gonzaga. Yeah, I think so. So not the COVID year, but the year after, you know, when, when people weren't allowed there. Um, so, you know, I mean, you have at least a school that's been almost to the promised land recently. Um, I don't know. I don't really even care, to be honest. Like if a Big Ten school ever wins a championship, it's kind of I guess it's kind of cool for the conference. I'm not one of those people where I'm like, I root for the conference in postseason. I don't really care. Um, I root for my bracket in the postseason. So. I'll see who I pick, but you know, I think that if you're going off of just what you think is more likely now, I'd just say the math would say that it's more likely because you're adding teams. Washington's a weird one because they haven't had any good seasons, but they've had good players like Deontay Murray, Mark, Markel Fultz, Matisse Thibel. They just never overlapped. So they're, they're a weird one, but I think adding USC will be interesting just because it looks like next year, Bronny James will still be there because he, you know, from what I saw, he's probably not playing this year. This year is kind of a prep, like get him back to the health he needs to be in, and then next year he'll play. So, you know, you're adding that. You know, you, the 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 pizzazz of USC and UCLA, and kind of all they bring with, with the, you know, LA and all that stuff. So, um, and UCLA is just a good program in general. It's funny because, um, when you look at the Big Ten football, every game that was up against realignment has kind of been canceled. Like examples, Georgia was supposed to play Oklahoma this year, but since Oklahoma's joined the SEC, they canceled the game. It's funny they didn't do that for like basketball because Ohio State's playing UCLA this year, but they just didn't care. 
Yeah. I, I guess we'll, we'll, maybe we'll see, maybe we won't. Cause it's really, it's, it's, imp- it's really impossible to say until you have like years and years and years of data to be like, yeah, adding these teams definitely made it more difficult for made it more difficult for teams um, to like make a run in the tournament by adding these teams. Cause like, if you add these really good programs, I would say a team like Purdue who went, I think 17 and three or maybe 16 and four in the big 10 last year, they are going to be, it is their objectively it's less likely that they will finish 16 and four. They will be pulled a little bit more towards the middle because they'll be facing there. There's a better chance that they're playing better teams and a lesser chance that they get the crappier teams. Um, just cause you have a bigger batch of teams now and the ones you're adding are all good. But at the same time, the way they they do the tournament seeding and things like that, do they also look at the Big Ten as a whole and say like, oh, like the Big Ten, even though the team that won the Big Ten this year, say went 14 and six in, in Big Ten play, the Big Ten is just an elite basketball conference. They have, you know, 12 great programs. So, you know, could you see teams that maybe don't have an elite record still get a really high tournament seed? because they give them all credit for playing in the big 10. That's what, that's what interests me is that the, the perception of the conference when you add these programs, because there's going to be more losses. People that buy season tickets to watch their, their school are going to go home having seen their team lose more than they used to. I think it also matters of what direction those programs are headed. Right. I think, those four programs in general are pretty good basketball schools, but I could argue three of them are heading in the wrong way, at least this year. Oregon, Washington, and, and UCLA, they just have so many question marks. I can't say they head the wrong or the right way. USC is trending up with Isaiah Collier and, and Bronny James and all that. But, um, yeah, so, it, you know, are you adding teams that are trending in the right way or the wrong way? And that's kind of the question that I think – I mean, that would be – obviously it fluctuates year by year, and – as we're learning more with the NIL age and the transfer portal age, you can flip a program, you know, it doesn't take three years anymore. You can flip a program within a year, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see kind of which way these teams actually trend as they join the big 10. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll, we'll just, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think that UCLA is a national brand. I think that, you know, even though they lost like essentially their entire team from last year, they lost like their top seven scores or something ridiculous. Um, yeah, they still should be pretty good. I'm not. That's not me saying they're going to be bad for sure. Like, I just think they're a national brand, and even if they have a if they have a year this season where like they don't go crazy, maybe they make the tournament and they get like a an eight or a nine seed this year. Um, I think UCLA is a national brand, and and they will be, I think, good for a, a good long time. Yeah, um, sure. USC is Mick USC Cronin is on the up that, and up. He has that he has that goodwill built in. I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that he's. I think he's got that that ship. I think going upward. USC to me is like with Miami is like one of the two biggest bag schools right now. Like, even though they're not historically a great basketball program, they clearly have the money and the financial assets around the program to get the best recruits to go there. Um, so that's on the up. I think that even though Oregon might not be fantastic this year, they've been low-key. Low-key Oregon's one of the most consistent programs of like the last 10 years, at least since I've been in like middle school, like probably the Oregon's last 10 to 15 one. years. They're weird. Oregon one, has made, I feel like Oregon's made like two or three elite eights in like the last 10 or 15 years. 
Yeah, I mean, they I made it. The, that. the Dylan Brooks team made it with uh, when they lost to, to UNC. I believe that was the Elite Eight. So at least once for sure. Yeah, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I feel like they've been like low key very good. And Washington's had, I mean, Washington has had some. You said some some good players for sure. I would need I mean, to look Mark, back Mark at the Carl, records. Marco Fultz was the number one recruit in the country, and they got him. I'm I grew up with Marco Fultz. Like he was the guy and they they got him to go all the way to the other end of the country to washington so who else do they have isaiah what was it what's the guys at the pit with the pistons now is it uh stewart yeah isaiah stewart played there so they've had that's four nba guys in the last 10 years so yeah i mean lots of different ways to look at it um we'll move on from that though i'm sure we'll be maybe talking about that more maybe not um maybe we'll just act like it's not happening we don't cover games last couple weeks plays back 12 teams we're just yeah, we're just off air because we're just protesting the Ohio State versus Washington game. <laughs> that's not my that's not my Big Ten. Yeah, that's um, not Big Ten. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's it's uh, it's football season, which means that Ohio State, uh, the basketball program, is going to roll out all the stops for recruits because every single Ohio State home game is a fantastic opportunity to bring in as many basketball recruits as your staff and roster, like your current players can possibly show around. And that's what they did week one against Youngstown state. They had six or seven guys visiting. Um, the biggest one is a uh, 2024 five star. He's a top 15 player in the country. Jaden Quaintance. He's a, he's a center. He reclassified. So I think he's 16 right now. Whenever he enrolls in college, he'll be a, 17 year old freshman i believe but um from everything that we're seeing from the uh you know folks that cover the football and basketball programs that were able to be at the shoe it does sound like ohio state had a good visit with with Jaden acquaintance um maybe they are one of his top schools maybe they're not he hasn't like cut it down i don't think but it does sound like he had a good visit with ohio state and that uh 
they're very much in the conversation to uh, at least stay involved with him as he gets closer to his announcement, whenever that is. Yeah, uh, Max Feldman of Made Hoops also just tweeted that Ohio State would be in attendance this week to watch him. Uh, I don't know where, but we do something. But it's Arkansas, Kentucky, Missouri, NC State, Cincy, Ohio State, Clemson, Michigan, and Ole Miss, and more. So he hasn't narrowed down anything. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting because according to Jardy, Adam Jardy, friend of the pod, um, he said that it was like his dad said it was better than they expected, which I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. But um, we always say like Ohio State's a football school and that affects the basketball program. It affects it in negative ways. It also affects it in positive ways. And this is one of the positive ways. You get to bring those basketball recruits to a football game and they get to see like, you know, this is Ohio State. So, um, yeah, it looks like all the recruits went well. I know Marcus Johnson was in attendance, who was a five-star top 10 recruit in the 2026 class and said Ohio State's his dream school and Jake Diebler is like relentlessly recruiting him. So. There was a lot of big names in the in the in the uh class. I think Junie Mobley was the only guy that's committed that's that was there. Of course, they only have two recruits that are committed. So, um, but yeah, it, you got to bring these guys around. You know, you don't really have that big marquee home game this year. Like I like the big one last year. Obviously, where Bronny was there was Notre Dame. Notre Dame's on the road this year. Penn State's on the road, I believe. No, Penn, Penn State's Penn, Penn State's at home. Penn State is at home. That Michigan, will be that will be, that will be their their big that'll, home game. Yeah, yeah. That'll be the big one. That'll be the big one. And then Michigan's on the road. So um, so you got the Penn State game, but it doesn't really matter what game you bring them to. You just bring them to a game. The first home game is always a good one because it's the you know, the atmosphere is normally never higher than like the first game, no matter who you're playing. So um yeah. It seems like it yeah, works for everybody, which is good. I mean, whether it's you know football you or basketball. Fumble, to use a football reference, you can't fumble this. This is where you have to get it right, and it seems like they did. Yeah, it, whether it's football or basketball, that like the Ohio State fan base is bonkers. They're crazy. They're nuts. And even if the even if the vibes aren't quite the same at the Schottenstein Center as they are uh, inside Ohio Stadium for a football game, these guys, most of these guys, don't know that these are high schoolers that half of these guys have not even like been to Columbus before. So you, you get them to Columbus, you say, we're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to get put you up in a hotel for the weekend, Saturday morning, we're going to go to skull session. You're going to see the band. We're going to listen to, you know, Ryan day, you know, talk to the, talk to all the fans that are going to pack it inside St. John arena. Then we're going to walk across the street and I'm going to get you a, a sideline pass and we're going to watch the team warm up and you know, you're going to meet so-and-so and so-and-so and, um, we're going to take some pictures down in the field and you're going to see what it's like to experience Ohio State on a game day, on a Saturday morning on campus. And you're going to see what it's like to be a Buckeye. Now, is it exactly like that when you're on the basketball team? Not exactly. But the the environment of a game day at Ohio State, very few schools can match that. So <laughs> that's probably why that recruit, uh, you know, Jaden Quaintons walked away like, holy cow, like that was super cool. So nobody tell him that there's not a hundred thousand people in the shop, yeah. though. Yeah, this isn't exactly where you play, but it's close. It's geographically close. We're right across the street. It's just like this. It's just like this. On a Wednesday night, you're playing the University of Maine. It's just like this. I promise, Jaden. Yeah. Uh, from what I've understood about like recruiting visits and stuff, I think the biggest part of it is the skull session, where like the vibes are just like insanely high um 
So that's always pretty fun. Vibes are good. Yeah. And it seems like the parents, um, we have talked about this before. It always seems like um, we get a lot of comments from recruits or their parents saying, oh, we just we like the coaching staff so much or, oh, my mom and dad, they like the coaching staff. They're really comfortable with the coaching staff. Um, I, th- there's just something about, I think, the Diebler is also really Diebler has, is becoming a consistent in that um, in on the coaching staff. Knock on wood. I'm sure he'll get a, a bigger opportunity at some point in the next few years where he probably wound up being a head coach somewhere. That's but for now, for sure. you know, Holtman and Diebler have been consistent, consistent guys on that staff for a few years now. And they are just like, they won't, they will not bullshit you. We've had both of them. We've had Holtman on twice here. Hopefully people have listened to both of our interviews with, with coach Holtman. We've had Jake Diebler on once. And that is one of their things that they, that, that recruits have told us too. Like we talked to Scotty Middleton. If you haven't listened to that, go back. We talked to Scotty a year ago. Um, when he had first committed, like they, they don't bullshit you. And that is one of the things that it sounds like a lot of kids appreciate is like, they're not going to pull you into these visits and say, Oh, uh, you know, Jaden Quainton's like you are, you, you're just, you're as polished as it gets. We can't wait to get you here. Like, no, they're going to pull you aside and say, we like how you do a, B and C, but here are the parts of your game that we think we could help you with because you're just not there yet. Um, but we're going to help you get there and then you're going to get to the league. So they're not going to, they won't bullshit you and they'll be real honest about what you need to work on and what they're going to help you work on. Um, I think that goes far with, with the recruits, with the kids and also with their parents who are a little older and can probably see through, you know, when people are, you know, bullcrapping them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah. And I think what that does and what the honesty does, and and like you said, Deborah and Holtman have talked to us specifically about this. It might lose you a couple recruits along the way. Honestly, it probably does, you know, being honest with them. What it does, though, is it keeps the ones you do get. Because we've talked about this for a lot. If you pay attention truly to college basketball and the transfer portal, the past Ohio State has been successful in it, right? They they tend to retain players at a higher rate than most teams do. It's just, just, just the numbers of it. They lose players just like everybody else, but they tend to retain players higher than other teams do. Um, and that's because they're honest with them. Guys come in for the most part knowing their role. And there's exceptions to this. I think a good one is probably DJ Carden, right? I think that was pretty much the consensus was like they just didn't mesh, which is fine. It happens, you know, you move on and, and you find another home. But for the most part, um, you know, it seems like <clears throat> it seems like guys tend to get to Columbus knowing their role, knowing where they fit in, and that's always a good thing. And I mean, this is a team that went, what, 16 and 19 last year? A horrendous year for Ohio State standards, for really any standards of any Big Ten program. And all they lost with transfer was, what, Gene Brown? Uh, Who, yeah, I would, it, I would probably put Tanner Holden in the uh, maybe didn't quite, maybe on the different page of the coaching staff as well. But um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tanner Holden. Yeah. Tanner Holden was, man, in my mind, Tanner Holden's like, I don't know why in my mind I'm like putting Tanner Holden like his own thing aside from, I guess that was like not a traditional transfer. That was a really weird situation. Um, Tanner Holden is honestly, if you look back on it, hilarious because he came to Ohio state, he hit a game winner and then he just left and he went back to Wright state. 
Yeah, that was such a man. That that was a weird transfer because that went right down to like that was a really late transfer, and really? we were like, "What?" We were like, "Well, he had, he, I guess he didn't transfer, so I guess I guess." Oh, or, not... you mean when he transferred out? Yes, it was late. When he transferred in, it was super early. But yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, no. I'm talking about this summer when he transferred back to Wright State. It was like he was on the roster for so long. Like, okay, yeah. well, like. I think you he was definitely it. trying to figure out where he could get eligible, uh, which it ended up being he could just go back to Wright State and be eligible. Which, and again, I probably put Tanner Holden in that bucket of maybe there was some miscommunication with the staff of exactly what his role was going to be, and that's kind of what happened. I mean, when a guy transfers in and immediately transfers out, you can kind of read the writing on the wall there. Yeah, I guess you know they just had such a they had such a bad year, they had such a bad year that you look and you're like, okay, like they still have, they have some really talented guys in the rosters, a few guys that were, you know, productive freshmen that could go elsewhere. If they felt like the situation was going sour, they had guys like Zed key who have been consistently productive at, at in college already that could go elsewhere. And they really didn't lose any, they didn't really lose any like consequential pieces via transfer after an awful, yeah, awful continue. year, because those, those guys like, you know, the freshman class, Bruce and Roddy and, and, and Felix, and you have like the vets, you have like Zed, like they had, it sounds like they had no interest in going elsewhere because like they had a bad year, but they're still bought in that like, this is a, this is where I'm going to improve the most. They know what I need to get better at and they're going to help me get there and be, we're going to win next year. And so after having a horrendous season, they brought back the entire core, which you see a lot in college basketball. Guys want to win right now. Things go nasty. Things get toxic and it all kind of crumbles. And that didn't happen this year with the, I mean, it was bad, but like the roster and the situation, like it didn't crumble in the off season. They're bringing pretty much everything back. Yeah. And that's why, you know, and I know we get some shit sometimes because we tend to be a lot more like pro coaching staff, specifically pro Holtman than a lot of other people, but, that's what we mean when we say, like, those things are important, too. Obviously, winning is the most important, and he has done his fair share of that, too. Let's not get that twisted up. But last year, nobody's going to make an excuse for that, according, including them, by the way. But the buy-in that you can get from these guys, there are plenty of programs that go uh, – Ohio State, like, that are in the level of Ohio State where you expect 22 to 25 wins probably every year. If they only get 16, they're losing that entire team. They're gone. There's recruits are decommitting. You're done. Um, that didn't happen to Ohio State because guys are bought in. Guys understand the process. And <clears throat> I'm not going <clears> to <throat> – excuse me. Good Lord. I'm not going to say trust the process, but it's kind of that. You know, it's, you're, you're buying into the process that you're buying into. And even though last year was a step backwards, they still see the future. They still see the, the vision that they were, they were given, and that's why they stay. Like I like Bruce Storr and a guy like Roddy Gale. A guy like Roddy Gill would be very easy to go elsewhere. He didn't play a whole lot. He upped his stock at the end of the year, and he could go to a team, and he was a high, highly ranked recruit. Like, he could go to a lot of places, but he's still here. There's a reason for that. Yeah, and, and that's – I think that the, the, this entire point isn't to say, hey, let's give, let's give Chris Holtman and his staff credit that, you know, hey, they kept the roster together, but even though they were absolutely, you know, they were absolutely trash last season – but hey, they kept the roster together, so let's give them credit. That's not really what I'm trying to say, and that's not really what Justin's trying to say either. I don't think it's more of like these guys, these I'm players recruit, have recruit made see that, and that's a big recruiting thing. 
Personally. Right. These guys have made a connection with this staff, mostly with Coach Holtman and Coach Diebler from when they were in high school. Like these guys were bought in. They were bought in at age 16 or age 17. Like that is when they were like, okay, I'm bought in with what these guys are selling. And, and I'm in. I'm in for the long haul. I believe in what they're selling. I believe in the vision. So they make that connection when they're in high school and then they get to Ohio State and they're like, no, no, no. Like I, I still, I believe in what these guys are selling. I believe in the vision and what, you know, how they're going to help me get to the next level. So I'm not trying to sugarcoat that they had a horrendous year. It's more of like, you can see that, that these guys, based on how these guys have stayed, how that looks to recruits and what these guys are saying to the recruits on these visits, because they will, that I said at the top about the roster, like they brought seven or eight recruits in this weekend for the football game. Um, you don't just have Holtman and Diebler and the coaching staff there. You have Austin Parks and Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale and Felix, and you have as many players as you possibly can get to the shoe to hang out with these guys, to tell them kind of what it's like being here. Well, and also to that point, uh, the big thing Jane Quainton said was he, he sat down and talked to Jared Sullinger. Jared Sullinger is not on this coaching staff, right? But he is a member of this team. He's not even a Holtman guy. He was a Mata guy. But it's it's culture, it's the program, it's the things the Holtman has set put into place. Well, like in the summer when all the alumni come back and play, it's kind of a TBT thing, but it's also just they come back and uh you know have like alumni week and you know the that's why you see Bruce Thornton going up against Aaron Kraft. Like those things are they're only benefits, they're only positives, and recruits see that. And that's why they've been recruiting at such a high level because you know, a Darren Peterson, for example can look at the current roster and say, well, these guys could be seniors and juniors when I'm a freshman and I could be the piece that makes them like really good to great, you know, kind of thing, which is what I'm hoping for. And I, I will say though, that this is all fine and good. They're pulling in high level recruits for visits. They are ending up in, as you have said before, a couple weeks ago, or a couple episodes ago, um, it seems like on so many guys, final four, final six, final eight, even though Ohio State only has, they only they can only take you know two or three guys in a class, but on so many of these players in the 2023, 20, four and five, you have guys that like you or I hadn't even heard of before, and then it's like up oh, Ohio State's in my top six. It's like they they're just all over the place, and all I don't know if that makes sense. I know you've said it before. It's just like it's kind of wild how all over the place they are. That dudes that we haven't even heard of are like, oh yeah, Ohio State's in my top six, um, which is great. But I will say, Gotta all this, the, the, the recruiting, the uptick in recruiting will not matter. It will not matter if Ohio State does not play well this year because. Yeah, this year is the, the this. I've never been more excited slash nervous for a season than this year. I, I don't know what the cutoff is, especially now with Gene Smith retiring and bringing in a new athletic director that did not fire. Sorry, I have to not fire. Well, at least not yet, did not hire Chris Holtman. You see it all the time in sports. You get a new athletic director in. You have If you have an underperforming coach, the athletic director is like, you know what, I'm going to clean it out and I'm going to bring in my guy. You know, the, the recruiting has been very good recently for Ohio State, but if, if they don't do a sharp 180 this, this season, it, it really won't matter because even if you get a Jaden acquaintance or – I guess Trent Burns is off the board now. We didn't mention that yet, but like Trent Burns is off the board. If you get a Jaden Quentin acquaintance to to commit or a Chris Wooley from Wasatch, um, 
if they have a bad season and the whole regime changes, those guys are going to decommit and they're going to go elsewhere. Yeah. And that's kind of the, that's, that's the toe. I'll say this when it comes to, and again, I don't think this will matter because I do think this team will be a, at least a tournament team. I do think that I never make tournament predictions before I see a bracket, but I do think this is probably their most talented team on paper outside of maybe the year they were two seed. uh, And then the tournament was canceled, I believe. Um, So we don't know what happened in that tournament, what could have been right. But anyway, (laughs) um, so I do think this team will be fine. But I do with the with the new AD coming in, I think that that probably bought this coaching staff at least a year because you don't want to fight like you don't want to be your like door like foot in the door first move is to hire a new basketball coach. That's kind of a lot. So and of course, according to some Ohio State fans, the football coach is also on the chopping block. So we'll see. Who knows? But I, I think that probably did buy me a year. But. When it comes to the 24 class, I think probably Quaintance is your last real shot at adding anything to it. Cheryl's done. Jalen Shelley committed today to Arkansas. So Amir Ali put out oh, his top. Did. Yeah, he but that was always the lean. But yeah, he committed to Arkansas today. And then Amir Ali put out his top five yesterday, and Ohio State was not on it, which again was expected. He he he's been off the board for a while. But uh um, the damn must the damn must bust strikes again, must, man. Must, strikes again. I swear I'd I don't know how many people he thinks he's allowed to have on a team, but it's definitely not the number that everybody else thinks. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, I just it's uh you're I mean you're right. It's it's like the the elephant in the room is uh <clears throat> the elephant. It's in definitely the room there. I mean, you can't miss the term. The recruiting. Course. It's we'll say it. I don't I don't know what the cutoff is, and I also don't know how to think. I don't I don't know what to think about the new athletic director thing because you said, you know, you think having a new athletic director buys them another year because he wouldn't want to come in and I guess he would, he would start. When does he start? Do you remember I th- when no, uh, I don't actually, I don't remember. So that's, I'll be honest there. Mm, I, I think look that up. While, while you're remembering that, I, I will say, I think that it's like a, it's a or pro not. and a con. I think that it benefits the coaching staff if they have a bad year in the sense of they might, he might not want to make a change right away, but it's also the thing that you see like in the NFL with like draft picks and stuff like, Holman is Gene Smith's guy. He's not going to be the guy, the next guy. So he doesn't have that built-in goodwill. So same with every coach. At Ohio. Correct. That's how that works. So and I, don't I don't know, know where the, the, again, I don't, think I don't, it's I don't know where the line of, I don't know where the line of demarcation is either. It, it, obviously it depends who you ask. Um, I don't know if it's like, obviously if Ohio state, if they don't make the NCAA tournament this year, um, I think it's an entire regime change. I think Holtman's out. I think that staff is out. I think they move on to a new coach next year. But then once you move past that, if they make the tournament, I don't know where the line is with the new AD coming in. I think I, I think with the new AD coming in, I would be very surprised if Ohio State makes the tournament, say, as like an eight seed, which most Ohio State fans would say is not good enough. Go ahead and fire him. Yes. But I think. If they make the tournament, period, I don't think the new AD would come in and say, you know, they made the tournament, but that's not enough for me. I'm going to can him. No, and I think fans have this, I don't want to call it a weird line in the sand. I think it's just because it's the thing they haven't done. But this the Sweet 16 thing, right? He hasn't made Sweet 16, hasn't made Sweet There's no athletic director that, like, that's on their board. Like, well, they got to make a Sweet 16. That's not, they don't, that, no, that's not, it's about, obviously making the tournament and success in the tournament matters. I've always said this. I think Chris Holtman gets a bad gig in that because he's seven to one in the first round. 
the first round still matters. You got to get out of the first round to get to the second. So to say, like, he doesn't win in March, I don't think that's true. There are second-round problems, for sure. And an AD does need to see progression in that. I think this specific Sweet 16 mark is kind of a weird one because that's not really winning much. It's just winning one more game. Like, I understand if you're like Final Four because that's a regional winner, you know, national championship. Sure, that's that's the, the lo and behold, even Elite Eight. But um, I think when it comes to when it comes to like what you're actually looking for in a program is recruiting. Are you going, are you developing guys? Are you putting guys in the NBA? That matters. They're doing all those things. The program is moving at a good pace forward. Obviously last year, win wise was a step back, but in general, the program is moving forward. And that's kind of always been my argument when people say, Oh, you have to fire Chris Ullman. You know, I just, I don't believe that now again, if they miss the tournament again, cards off the table, you can't miss the tournament twice in a row, especially with the roster they have right now. And honestly, if they do miss the tournament this year, I think you'll see some guys you probably wouldn't expect to see leave, leave. Because that's once I'm willing to say is like, you know what, just a fluke year, things happen. Twice, that's a pattern. So that's where I think you get into that conversation. Yeah. The uh the line, the line of 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 where you draw it to say we have to move on to a new coach. I think in versus... conference might matter more than NCAA tournament, to be very honest, like a conference championship, stuff like that. I think if, I think if, if this current regime had done one or the other, you're, you're right. Um, and we've actually, we've had that conversation before too, about what matters more to fans. Is it hanging a banner winning the big 10 or is it like going deep in the tournament? I think, I think it's both. And I think that like, I think that's how deep, yeah, how deep. If if Ohio State had won the Big Ten his first season, they won it, they hung a banner, and they still hadn't made a Sweet 16, I do think the pressure, the pressure valve would be released. It would be, there would not nearly be as much pressure as there currently is. Um, So I I think those, both of those things are very important to fans, but the fact that they haven't made it to the second weekend or won a title is is tough. And honestly, I think winning a big well, 10 title is so much harder than just making it to the second oh, round, but they haven't done easily. either. Yeah. Easily. Well, third round, they made it to the second round seven times, but, um, or is that considered now the, for the first round? I don't, I don't know. The tournament's so weird now. I meant, I meant second weekend. I said second yeah. weekend first. Then I said second round. Oh, I got you. Okay. Um, yeah. And I also think it matters with like, I think the biggest issue, and I think we've talked about this, is it seems like every time they're in February and they get into the best example was 2022. They win that game at Illinois, and that puts them square in position to maybe win the Big Ten, right? And they lose the next two mm-hmm. games to Maryland and Nebraska. You're like, you can't that that's that that's where the problem is. That's a bigger problem than any type of missing the Sweet 16 or anything like that. You gotta win those games. And that's been a little bit of a trend with with this team with this team over the past like kind of four or five years is losing weird games in February that you really shouldn't lose. And Chris Holman's talked about that, and that's something that you know can be addressed through maybe it's depth, maybe it's just consistency. Who knows? But and the Big Ten's tough. I mean, going to Maryland and winning isn't easy. The Nebraska game that was a that was bad, but going to Maryland and winning isn't easy. Maryland's a good team, so it does depend on those things too. But um, I don't know. I think. Also, I always find it funny. This is getting off topic a little bit. But like in 2009, 2010, 2011, that streak of Ohio State being like a one seed and losing in the Sweet 16, Twitter wasn't really around mm-hmm. for that. I can promise you fans would have been calling for that modest head. You know, so it is funny, like the revisionist 
when we look back on history and stuff, how things would have, how things would have been. Um, before we get out of here, I, I just wanted to throw the last couple names in there for uh, players that had that visited either this past weekend or the previous weekend to keep an eye out for um, in the class of 2024, where Ohio state is still considering adding either a true center or a power forward. They have offered Christian Wooley. Um, I don't know if that's how you actually pronounce his last name. It's N-W-U-L-I-E. Sorry, N-W-U-L-I. There is no E there. Um, he is Junie Mobley's current teammate at Wasatch Academy. He is a top 35 player in the country. He is a power forward, a four-star. So he visited this past weekend. Um, Dorian Jones is a 2025 uh, Cleveland kid. He, I believe, is a top 40 player in the country. Um, power forward, I believe, Dorian Jones, right? He's not a guard. He's a guard. He's a no, it's not. Is he really? Yeah, shooting guard. Okay, I'm stupid. Um, you said it. Okay, 2025 two guard. Um, and then the 2026 guys, which is just to me is it's goofy that we're talking about the high school class of 2026. We should have a role. Um, if you can't drive, we can't talk about them. Yeah, they're uh, yeah, just nuts. Um, anyway, John Sanderson, Jonathan Sanderson, sorry, the son of John Sanderson, who is a former Ohio State player in their um, 1999 Final Four. I think that's the one that was vacated. Um, he is his dad is the strength and conditioning coach for Michigan men's basketball, but he got an Ohio State offer. Um, Marcus Johnson, you talked about Michi's cousin, 2026. And TJ Crumble, 2026. So it was, it was absolutely blind up any 2026 recruiting boards you see. Like TJ Crumble first, I was like, oh, that's a cool offer. And then now he's like the number 15 recruit in the country. Like he is flying up the boards. So just to put that out there. Also, uh, Jardy made it in Jardy's uh, text messages. If you get those, you should sign up for those. Those are really good. He said that uh, Sanderson's dad made it a point to say that uh, nobody should assume he's a Michigan lock, which probably means he's a Michigan lock, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They'll have the, uh, they'll have the inside track there, but they definitely I mean, have a good chance. I mean, he, <laughs> if he, <laughs> if he played at Ohio state, his dad played at Ohio state, you know, I, yeah. I'm not, I wonder where the kid's allegiance lies. Yeah, um, we'll ask Andrew Dockage, which one is better. All right. I think we've rambled on enough. Um, if you have stuck with us this whole time, we appreciate you. If you found us on Land Grant Holy Land, make sure to also subscribe on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get um, your music and podcasts. Go ahead and subscribe um, to the Land Grant Podcast Network so you can get uh, our episodes as well as all the other great podcasts that Land Grant is putting out on a weekly basis. Yeah, big recruiting episode. That's pretty much all we talked about, right? Um, I guess it's September, so that's pretty much all we're going to talk about. Uh, you can follow me at Justin underscore Golba. You can follow the podcast if you didn't say that at uh, Bucketheads LGPN. Sorry, I was on my phone. I don't know if you said that or not. We'll be going back to weekly episodes probably kind of soon, right? Like, what, mid-October-ish? We're not far from the season. Let's be honest. Today's, we're recording this on September 11th. Like, we're only, like, what, two months from real season? Yeah, two months exactly, actually. Yeah, I think, uh, like, mid-October is probably when I'm like, okay, it's basketball season now. Yeah, once they play the exhibition. When's the uh, game against Dayton? When's that exhibition game? Uh, October 22nd. There you go. That's going to be the day I turn into basketball mode, October 22nd. I think that's the same weekend as the Penn State football game, so that'll be big Ohio State weekend for me. That is a really big weekend. Um, and then they should have 
They should have early October. We'll see if they run it back. The Buckeyes and the Blacktop. Um, if yeah. you are, if you're in Columbus, if you're in Columbus, near Columbus, um, they, they, last year, the Ohio State did the tip-off event, Buckeyes in the Blacktop. There's uh, some outdoor basketball courts behind Ohio Stadium where they, you know, they turned the lights on at night. They had a dunk contest. They had three-point shooting contest. They did like a little five-on-five scrimmage, all this crazy stuff. Um, they have somebody MC the event. People show up. They, they line up behind the basketball court. It went like eight or nine people deep last year. Um, however, I did realize just last night that the last two times that Ohio State has had Buckeyes in the blacktop, Ohio State has missed the NCAA tournament. Oh, look at that. Like, you should do article about that and then send it to Ohio State and say, don't do it. <laughs> look, what, look, look what I've noticed. Don't do this. Last year, and then uh, Thad Mata's last, that Thad Mata's final season, So they and suck. then last season. <laughs> So it's two years they didn't even make the NIT. Okay. Uh, it's like the two worst seasons in the last 30 years. <laughs> yes. Those are the last oh, few times I did Buckeyes in the Blacktop. Um, you can oh, follow yeah. me on Twitter at, at Lamons underscore Connor, L-E-M-O-N-S underscore Connor. Um, we appreciate you for hanging in with us. We're almost to the season. Have a great weekend. And go Bucks. Go Bucks.